Welcome back, folks, to Views from the 405, the May edition, or episode 12. The lucky dozen. Very lucky dozen. Yeah, and uh, it's going to be a big one. It is, it is. Well, I had a theory that was quickly debunked, that May was better than the previous one once combined. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think it's far off it. No, the 10 albums that we've got to discuss today are all really good, I think. They are very, very good. Um, th- there's no, There's no, like... You know, uh, token duds or like obligatory duds that we feel obliged to put in there no. uh, for just for inconsequential effect. And certainly um, a step up on April. Where yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I still like, really like all those albums, but I feel like probably maybe ten out of nine out of those wouldn't make this list. No. Um, yeah, I think that's. I think that'd be fair to say. Um, so yeah, it's big, big month. Uh, we've yeah. also the we we had two weeks ago we're at Primavera, yeah, uh, seeing some of these bands. A lot of them actually. Yeah. There's going to be a lot to talk about. A lot of overlap with Primavera. But uh, do you want to have a quick recap? Top three. Yeah, yeah. Well, my I guess my top three. Uh, I had Lord was my favourite. Yeah, uh, she was just pure. Literally, well, not literally. That's weird. But it was like joy condensed into eighty minutes or whatever it was. Yeah. It was wonderful. Um, my second was Essay Pa, nice. the uh, like French Canadian uh, husband wife duo, just yeah. like really, really good uh, melodic electro stuff. That's is really textured and really dancey. Yeah, and third, I missed that. Yeah, it was it. It was class. And then third was Charlotte Gainsbourg, who was just wonderful and so captivating and charismatic it was it was superb yeah uh, another francophile uh, yeah yeah it was a lot of the francophone they, they love their they love their uh melodic synth lines those Frank, yeah french yeah uh, she um charlotte gainsbourg was definitely one of the biggest surprises of the weekend like i liked the album from last year but i hadn't been taken away by it but then just her show and mm. she had one of the highest produced shows of the whole weekend that I saw. Yeah, like, along definitely. With Lord, like the lights, the stage setup setup was amazing, and the 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 version of is it Deadly Valentine's? That yeah, in, that she did in the middle was just insane. It's spectacular. Like they just they they got they added like a it's almost like a ninety second interval. They just like expanded the the time of the interview to like drastic length. It was superb. Yeah, and to be on that central stage, the Primavera stage, at, like. 1am or whatever it yeah. was perfect time middle heart of the festival yeah well uh, my, you're t- my other highlights uh, yeah lord was especially because i a lot of my highlights i've seen before uh and lord i had never seen and i don't know if i'll ever get another chance to see her mm. I, I wouldn't pay like hundreds of pounds to go see her at the o2 even though it would be worth it probably but to be in a in a venue like that and amongst diehard fans might be a bit trying mm. but yeah it was perfect she was incredible uh other highlights were probably uh just old favorites deer hunter ty siegel mm. uh i know i'm forgetting something oh the national were fantastic oh, yeah, yeah, they were old them. favorite um yeah just too much there's way too much i couldn't get to see it all um I mean, I could. I wish I could split in two and go back. If I had a time turner like Hermione, I would go back. <laughs> there was one particularly bad clash where I went to see Arctic Monkeys, Deer Hunter, Beach House, while you went to see uh, One O Tricks Point Never yeah. and John Hopkins. Yeah, that was that was, li- a t- that was a bad one. Literally tearing my soul apart to making that decision. But anyway, there's no way to really sum up Primavera if you haven't been there. No. My favorite other thing, which isn't really 
a singular act was the whole new since i've been there in 2015 they've added a whole new section mm. that is specifically or more angled towards electronic stuff and i particularly love the club the yeah. club on the beach yeah there sick some really good sets from like cole super peggy yeah levon vincent there yeah, yeah really good times Yeah, let's di- let's dive straight into these these albums. We want to keep it to a concise runtime run since the beginning of the year. It's worked quite well. Yeah. So, so let's dive in. So one of my other highlights of Primavera uh, that we didn't mention there, well, briefly mentioned, is Arctic Monkeys, who had a new album out in May. Um, didn't send out any advanced singles, which is unusual for them because, you know, they're pretty popular. They would do reasonably well in the charts. They love to make videos. So to not have a, a single in advance of the album was something of a of a signal that this was going to be a bit different for them. And I was a bit trepidatious going into it because I thought that it was a bad sign. And I was definitely a little bit, first time listening to Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino, I was a bit flummoxed. Like they have really gone in a new direction. The guitar is out, the piano is in, uh, Alex Turner is writing kind of soulful ballads and the Oxy Monkeys are kind of imbuing them with quite atmospheric and classic sounding guitars and things like that. Now, as a someone who's not a big Oxy Monkeys fan like me, how did you find it? I, I it's, it's probably the one I like most by them. Yeah, like, I just I just think it's, it's it's really entertaining. Like, I mean, it's still it's more self indulgent than anything yeah. they've ever done, and it, like it, it's mostly just Alex Turner masturbating. Yeah. Um. But it's 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 good. I I, I like it. The, the melodies are good. Some of the lyrics, as they are self indulgent, they are quite vivid and yeah. quite the the weirdly mem- memorable. Yeah. Because and, the the basic concept attached to the album, which you can go with or you don't have to, but I think in this case it does improve the experience. Is that it's kind of a concept album about a new human colony on the moon. Mm. And uh, obviously only rich people can go there. It's very glamorous, but at the same time, that makes people very jaded and mm. disaffected, and, and a lot of the songs are about that. Uh, and then there's songs where they're loving it, like 4 Out of 5, which did become the first single, and they made a video of that, mm. is about putting a taqueria on the roof of the Tranquility Base called the Information Action Ratio. Uh, so that gives you some ideas about the influences that Alex has uh, been... Uh, investing in like he, I think he basically wrote the whole album on piano in his room he was gifted a Steinway grand piano which must be nice and he lives in Hollywood now so I think just looking out over Hollywood it's a lot it's a far cry from Sheffield uh, and just uh, writing on the piano I think the moon it must feel like being on the moon compared to Sheffield especially living in this fancy like he's come you must think about how far he's come since they put out their first album mm. t- 12 years ago it's pretty crazy to think about. So it's kind of cool to see how that has influenced uh, this album. And I I gave it a 7.5 in my review because I think there are a few duds, but I think the first five tracks and the last two tracks are really solid. 
really good, interesting. Uh, in the live show at Primavera, they started with four out of five. Um, I feel like the new songs, maybe it's because the crowd's attention dipped a little bit, but they didn't quite have the same energy. And also, they just don't, they're not festival songs. No. Like, Arctic Monkey has basically written five albums worth of festival songs prior to this. So, uh, they kind of did stick out a bit, but I still enjoyed them. And, uh, I think Alex Turner's personality is just <laughs> growing more with each and that's making for interesting listening. Mm. And I'm very, it'll be really interesting to see where they go next. If this is going to be like an anomaly or if this is going to be a, a signpost of what's to come, mm. they could do anything next. They could, they could. Uh, but I, they took five years from this one to the, from the previous one, which is by far the longest they've ever taken. They wrote, they released like, uh, five and seven years before that so to take five years for the next one is a big deal and they might take another five years or they might never do another one at this point everything's up in the air but i think they've made them they've continued to make themselves an interesting talking point and they'll remain one of the most talked about bands for this year at least yeah, yeah, definitely, and especially since they are doing such a significant like fest, like yeah. festival circuit, They're and headlining doing pretty much everything, like international tours and everything. Yeah, uh, four nights at the O2 later yeah. this year, <laughs> crazy the amount of money they must be making. Jesus. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, tra- tranquility base hotel and casino. And, and casino. Don't forget the casino. No, of course not. And next up, I believe we have DJ Koza and Knock Knock. Yeah, which feels weird talking about because we've been listening to it yeah. for so long. Um, I think we've even alluded to it probably a couple of times mm. in the last couple of podcasts when we keep talking about yep. overstuffed yes. dance albums. Yep. So DJ Cozy's Knock Knock clocks in at how long? 70 what minutes? <laughs> yeah. Almost 80 minutes. 79 minutes. Uh, and his previous album, also five years ago, I think maybe more, Amygdala, was similarly similar mm. in length, but it it justified its length more. It felt more mm. cohesive, more yeah. original. Yeah, um, you spent a lot of time with Knock Knock. What do you think? I have, but this is one of the those situations where uh, you interviewed the artist and I I reviewed the album. Yeah. Um, I gave it a seven point five. Yeah. I was flirting between. I could have been anything from a seven to an eight. Yeah. Even that, you know that 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 level of difference means nothing to anyone who's in a music nerd. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I yeah, I just felt like there's as there's ten great songs on this album and six okay songs on it. Yeah, and it's not even particularly evenly distributed. It's it's no. fairly just across the record. So I think there's there's like if it was if he cut five or six songs on this it would be a great album yeah because um, and at this stage it is in my opinion it's a singles album yeah where they've got some some of the best songs of the year Absolutely. in Seeing Aliens and Pick, Pick Up, up. Uh, which uh, you know that that euphonic um, disco how, vocal house classic which is probably my favourite song of the year yeah but uh, what a uh, incredible song that does not a cohesive album make um and it, yeah it's just that there's a lot of interesting stuff he's doing here but it's just not as great as you see original or as groundbreaking or as um like invective as 
amygdala, which just felt like anything, like when you listen to it for the first time, anything could happen in the next few minutes. Well, as you know, you're guaranteed some variation on house or uh, disco or funk, maybe a tiny bit of trip hop, but and it's 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 entertaining and everything, but I do I do feel that it's not one you'll listen you'll listen through the album all the way through. You'll pick and choose. Definitely, but it's interesting that those two highlights, seeing aliens and pick up, were two with no feature. Uh, I also feel like the features on Amygdala were so good, mm. and I feel like the people on there, Caribou, uh, Matthew Deere, uh, uh, etc., Milos from Rye. They really were on the same wavelength as him and Inside His Planet. On this one, he's gone a bit more diverse. He's got um, a speech from Arrested Development. He's got Jose Gonzalez, Sophia Kennedy, and Kurt Wagner from Lamb Chop, whose song I really like, but it is such an outlier on the album. Mm. It's kind of weird. And I feel like a lot of those features are just no, not captivating. I think the Jose Gonzalez one is the most forgettable song. Yeah ever yeah like I, it's, i've heard it's it really is genuinely a bad song yeah i've heard it at least 20 times and i can't remember it rasheen murphy pops up on a couple i think illumination is really good yeah it probably may, might be the best feature on the album mm, yeah i think that uh, would be her other one is a bit forgettable as well yeah colors of autumn is good yeah colors um, of autumn is good with a, a speech from rest of development but, but yeah the, the the actual like they is bonfire is another is, a, is another of the be- the better songs in the album, yeah. and that is one of his own compositions. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. I think it, the speed that is very much a case of the the features. I don't know. I think there's necessarily a correlation there, but no. I don't know. But also, um, I feel like the ones where he's like the speech one. He's it's really good, but it sounds more like an, an Arrested Development song than a DJ Cozy song. Yeah. So it'd be cool to hear uh, DJ Cozy produce some tracks for some rappers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That'd be cool. That'd be be cool. Uh, And when I spoke to him, well, I think we should just stop on Pick Up for a second because that really is, as you said, the the song of the year, song of the summer at least. Uh, You should check out my interview and see how Cozy. I I just asked him, why do you think it's been so popular? And he gave a very interesting and honest answer that I think really captures the spirit of it. Yep, so, uh, and it's, he was an interesting person to talk to. Uh, first thing he said is, I, I said, how are you? He said, bad. So that's always an interesting <laughs> way to start a conversation. Um, but yeah, DJ Cozy, knock, knock. Check it out. Wants to be the first to say Wants to be the first to say Wants to be the first to say goodbye Next up, we have Courtney Barnett with Tell Me How You Really Feel. Yeah, follow up to her debut album, Sometimes I Sit and Think, Sometimes I Just Sit, which you're a big fan of. Yeah, massive, massive fan. That was in probably my top five of 12. Whatever that is. 12. 2015? No idea anymore. Uh, so tell me how you really feel uh, is a lot more serious and kind of agitated than that. Even from the front cover onwards, like it's no longer got one of her doodles on the front. It's got like a, a close-up of Courtney's face. Uh, the album starts 
hopefulness, which I really like, but it starts with like a kettle boiling and finishes with a kettle boiling, and that mm-hmm. kind of gives you an idea of the there's an underlying kind of rage running through this, which is unusual for Courtney because her mm-hmm. songs before were so almost cartoony and yeah, there. like lang- languid, but yeah. um, not indifferent. But they were just they were just fairly easygoing, I guess. Yeah. So how have you found? Tell me how you really feel. Um, I guess just like faded from memory really like um it's one of those i i this it's i guess it's like something i've gone on before in this podcast it's like one of those very solid seven out of tens that you listen to is yeah that was good and then you'll probably listen to only when you're on a courtney barnett binge again yeah like this it's 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 good some of the melodies are good um the the lyrics there's there's some very like pointed lyrics and stuff yeah. but there's also that it's some of the lyrics can be a bit self indulgent as mm-hmm. well and so much of like the appeal of her the the the, the various EPs and um, sometimes I think was it was self indulgent but it was very like that does it very sardonically and it was done very so much like wit and energy to it as well where here is more like resigned and like ambivalent it's, it was it was it was weird it was that that dichotomy beforehand of energetic indifference whereas this it's almost like an ambivalent energy mm. as in like she's like there's a there's a there's a drive and determination there but it's just it's just not executed well i don't think but I think it's it's still a good album, as I say. At least she's too talented, I reckon, to ever write a bad album. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I just think there's it, it's similar to that Hop Along record, where there's just there's just like it's just something missing. Yeah, I like this album more than you. I've mm. listened to it actually quite a lot because it's a very easy album to listen to, and while it's on, I really enjoy it. But as you say, once it's gone. Is kind of forgettable mm. and there's not that much diversity in the songs as there was in the previous ones and though some of the lyrics are re- still really smart i don't feel like they've got that same sharpness as they had before uh she's got some feminist songs nameless faceless is mm. a song about being scared to walk home at night where she quotes margaret atwood uh what is it women are scared to no men are scared that women will laugh at them women are scared that men will kill them mm. which is pretty hardcore yeah uh, and I think there's, I really like Need a Little Time. I think that's a nice kind of pavementy mm. slacker jam. Um, and then there's some songs um, where the chorus is so basic. I can't remember which song it is. Uh, maybe Help Yourself or Crippling Self-Doubt. It probably is Crippling Self-Doubt where the yeah. chorus is literally, I don't know anything said over again, but it's really catchy. Yeah. Uh, and I always sing along to that. Uh, there's a couple of songs that I think sound a bit Kurt Viley, which is no coincidence considering they had that that uh, collaborative album last year. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's not, there's no like standout singles like like Depressed and no. or anything like that uh, that really you could say look, this is a, a, an example of really fantastic songwriting as you could on pretty much every single release she's put mm. out before this. Um, but it's still an enjoyable album and I saw her last week at the Roundhouse she started she and her band started by playing the 10 songs of Tell Me How You Really Feel in a row which I think is quite a bold move and a statement of intent and and obviously she really believes in this album but uh, I don't think it's been even the crowd seemed a bit bemused by the decision to do that so I don't think it's really quite caught the imaginations in the way that her previous has 
No, no. But that's, that's fine. I'm sure the next one will be great. And it's not a bad album. It's just one of those classic things where it's one of your favourite artists and it's not quite live up to your hype. Yeah. It's similar to DJ Koza, I guess. Yeah. But um, especially in a, in a year when there's so much good female-fronted indie rock or yeah. just indie rock in general, it's hard to stand out. We're going to come on to two really amazing rock albums later. Maybe even more than two, actually. Um so yeah, it's hard to stand out in this in this year, I yeah, think. So definitely. tell me how you really feel about Courtney Barnett. Worth your time, but maybe not as much as her previous or some of the others we're gonna talk about. Yep, I'd agree with that. Moving on to another slacker indie rock album, we have Stephen Macmus with Sparkle Hard. Yeah, perhaps the king of uh, slacker rock. Yep, and uh, arguably had. Yeah, argue. I mean, Pavement basically, they, the genre is basically named because of them. Yeah. Uh, so Stephen Malkmus, I don't know how many albums deep he is into his Stephen Malkmus and the Jicks incarnation. Uh, I've never got that into any of his previous mm. Stephen Malkmus albums. I think I've given them all a cursory listen. But Sparkle Hard is the first one to come out since I've... I've always liked Pavement, but since I, I've... In the last couple of years, I've fall, fallen truly in love with Pavement. Yeah. They are truly one of the greats of all time. So this is the first Jicks album to come out since then. And also, I think, from what I've heard, speaking to other people who are more into the Jicks, I think it's the best one they've done. Yeah. Uh, have you listened to them much before? Uh, no, no, I haven't before, not really. But I'm just really, really into this one. Yeah. Uh, I just think like it's really inventive and this unexpected, while maintaining that slacker aesthetic. I guess it, which is it was quite what is it's it's what you'd expect a pavement album to be in the year 2018. Yeah, I was thinking that as well. Like um, it's the, that's the, the aesthetic is the same, but there's a lot of more polish and refinements there. Yeah. And obviously he, he sings an auto tune at some point. There's some mm-hmm. electronic stuff there, but he doesn't. He, it never is never overdone or never feels intrusive. It just feels natural. And it's just a vet and it's just he's just a peerless songwriter. Yeah. And he just he he's just got the grace and subtlety to add these certain elements to it and is he's still as witty and as funny and as insightful as ever so i think it's just a terrific album yeah he's lyrically sharper and he seems like he's having more fun than ever middle america which is probably the most pavementy song here mm. it's such a fun song kind of state of affairs song disaffected very funny and then a song like bike lane which i became kind of minorly obsessed with for a while just the 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 central hook of another beautiful bike lane but then when you dig into and it's got this really cool like surf rock guitar part as well that's so much fun and 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 stuff and then but then when you look at the lyrics in reality they're about freddie gray (laughs) who was killed by police in 2015 and yeah it's about that which is it's so subtly slipped in there. Well, it's not really if you pay attention to the lyrics, but in the song, it sounds like a happy song. It sounds like a song about fucking bike lanes. Yeah. Uh, and then um, 
other i think the guitars it's so well produced as well there's a song called uh solid silk which has this really nice kind of uh uh post-punk workout maybe not post-punk alt-rock workout towards the end where the guitars are kind of uh, contorting and contracting and then there's a really nice string arrangement with it that helps like the tension push and pull it's just so well produced later on shiggy which was the other single that has really nice fuzzy bass and malcolmus like having fun with the vocal like doing lots of whoops and uh and there's really catchy hooks on this album as well my one gripe on the whole album is on refute the feature from kim gordon who obviously Kim Gordon legendary credentials are undeniable. Her work with Sonic Youth is incredible. Her voice has always been unique and gravelly to this, and now it's even more like gravelly than ever. And I love her voice, but Refute on this album is like a really upbeat kind of sunny song where the Malcolmus does the first verse and she does the second verse, and they're telling stories of like, um, like un un. Uh, <sighs> what's the word unlucky marriages basically fate like fateful marriages and it's just meant to be a really fun song and i just don't think kim gordon quite has the voice vocal dexterity to pull it off the way malcolmus does so it's kind of a weird chalk and cheese song that doesn't work for me but i like the song itself i just don't like her verse yeah yeah that's fair uh but i love kim gordon obviously and she has a new body head album out next month which will be cool yeah that'd be good so um yeah, yeah. Stephen Magmus and Sparkle Heart and the Jigs. Don't yeah. forget the Jigs. Yeah. Uh definitely don't forget the Jigs because I feel like they do a lot on this album. They they sound amazing and the, and it is a band. It's not just Stephen Malcolmus, even though obviously he's the focal point. Yeah. Well, that's a very very important point. Always always ever the ever egalitarian Rob Hackerman in there. Kick off your jet boots. It's time to So we're moving on to the first of Kanye's Friday ongoing uh, extravaganza, which was Pusha T's Daytona. Yeah, seven track, some slices of rap. Uh, Daytona, um, the first Pusha T album for a while. What's your history with Pusha T? Uh, I loved his 2013 album. Okay, yeah, um, the Prince one. Something, yeah. Remember. The one that was meant to be like a prelude to whatever was next. No, no, that was the 2015 one, uh, okay. but it was eight tracks, and he said, oh, there's a prequel, and he said, everyone, he said it was going to come out. So that came out in December, and he said it was going to be a massive one out in March. Yeah. And that one was really good, because there was a... Um, that one had Untouchable on it, which is... He samples Biggie, and I've never heard anyone sample Biggie as effectively as he does it there, and it's just... It's, un, it's unbelievable. as well, Untouchable. Um, and... He's, he is an exceptional rapper with exceptional pedigree. I mean, when you go back all the way to Clips, like like Clips have got three superb albums, like three really, really good rap albums. And then from there, he's just had an incredibly successful career. He's always features amazingly. His feature on Runaway is just yeah. one of the best verses of all time. Yeah. 
Um, and that was was that not the first, but one of the earliest tastes of the Kanye and Pusher yeah. kind of yeah. uh, duality. And which, then, which led to Mercy, which I like as like as as like as just a bombastic like club. Like floor filler, like everyone, like, it just like causes everyone to just break out in debauchery. Who, who hears it? I mean, it's just a monumental track. Uh, yeah, I think he's, he's just incredibly talented, and the the relationship, his dynamic with Kanye, has unfailingly paid off. And yeah. this is, I guess, it's apotheosis to an extent. Even though, and I guess we'll talk about this next month. I I think the Kid Sea Ghost has uh, worked with Kid Cudi is actually better really um than daytona but this is still excellent and it's, it's one of the because it is this is like the the anti bloating and that is mm-hmm. seven tracks it's 22 minutes and all tracks are very very good i have personal favorites and it flows together really nicely as yeah. well it basically plays out like a mixtape like one one half of a mixtape yeah you could put yay on the other side but i think you'd only be playing this side yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely but yeah just that like like hard piano is some hard it's piano cross, right? uh, yeah. it's great that he's got such a good verse in that yeah. as well and then like, like you've got what what would meek do when kanye's verse is better than any of his any of his um his bars on yeah um and it's just is the the product but you're here for the production though aren't you? if you're yeah. what if you're if i push you uh, kanye produce push album and the production is insane it's yeah. superb say what you will about kanye's mental state and his abilities at rapping in these days his his production oh, chops have dude not can faded. sample dude yeah. can sample um yeah and my yeah, only think- gripe with this album is that pusher is still using his past as a drug, drug dealer as such a crutch like mm. pre- every single song i think he makes reference to it but i mean fine whatever how many people can legitimately say they came from that to this i suppose yeah um, I think he also knows that's his brand, though. He is, like, he does exploit it quite well. Yeah. So I, I think he knows that's his, that's his game, and yeah. that's his audience. So that's what he he just digs into that, and then just sees what he can do operating in that mode. Yeah. And um, then the final track, Infrared, is when he go, he's restarted a bunch of beefs, particularly with Drake. <laughs> even though I think it's uh, who is it that gets the worst. Uh, Lil Lil Wayne gets the worst uh, mm. things said about him on the track, but Drake is the one who's taken the most offense to uh, Pusha T rehashing this uh, "you don't write your own songs" mm. thing. Uh, so Drake put, responded with a diss track, and then Pusha went all out with uh, the the whatever it is of added on the tale of added on or whatever. Did you listen to this? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> where which was Pusha? It's not on the album, but it came out a week later. Uh, Pusher uh, basically claiming that Drake has an illeg- illegitimate child with a porn star and uh, rapping all about that and how he doesn't write his songs and he also went a little bit into um, Drake's producer Noah Shabib who has multiple sclerosis uh, and he talks about how his time is ticking and how he's he's hunched over the boards as he produces which Chase um, who is a big rap fan uh, reviews editor on the 405 says you know when it comes to beef in raps when it comes to rap battles there's no there's no line that you can't cross so uh okay uh, i don't think drake has responded to this has he not i don't think that track yet no i wonder if he will even though it's, it seems like pusher is raring to go with this yeah he's he's got a lot like underneath this but you get the impression like 
like Pusher still has about ten levels to go to, yeah. and which Drake just hasn't scratched the surface. Off. Yeah, I mean, I think Pusher's kind of upfront about his past with drug dealing and stuff, uh, and anything that any kind of um, controversy that could be attracted to him would almost be on brand for Pusher. Yeah. So it's a difficult. I don't know why Drake felt like he needed to start this beef. He's uh, he's way out of his depth. Anyway, Daytona, 22 minutes of, of good bars, good beats, and... Uh, one of the best rap albums of the year. Yeah. If you, can we call it an album when it's only 22 minutes? Yeah, I thought we Seven should. tracks yeah, is the new rap album uh, it's format. It's the requirement. For the mud-made monsters who grew up on legends from out of Yonkers, influenced by niggas straight out of Compton. The scale never lies. I'm 2.2 incentivized. If you ain't energized like the bunny for drug money or been paralyzed by the sight of a drug mummy, this ain't really for you. This is for the Goya Montoya who said I couldn't stop then afforded me all the lawyers. The only kingpin who ain't sinking. Chess moves that made my third eye ain't blinking. All right, uh, moving on, halfway there. Uh, we now have Ski Mask and Compro. Ski Mask, who is a German producer, Brian Muller from Munich. Yeah. This is his second album, Ski Mask. I think he's released some other albums under some different monikers. Um, but Compro, my introduction to him, how about you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, I hadn't heard of it until I saw the Pitchfork Best New Music. Yeah. And I went on to his band camp and he had like, only like 80 like donations and stuff like that. Wow. It's like, I think the pitchfork thing must have done wonders for him. Yeah. Um, as as they have histori- historically have done. Yes. Um, so what do you like about Compro? It's going to be hard to talk about because it's, 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 a, it's a very kind of experiential album. Yeah. Obviously, there's no lyrics to talk about. Um, the, t- the production of it is... It has echoes of Warp favorites like Boards of Canada and Apex, mm. but I don't think it's really that similar to either. No, it it's like it's got bits of break. There's like break beats yeah, break in it. It's beat minim- is... minimal techno, um, but it like tries to push the boundaries of minimal techno. There's very it's very husky. It's very like industrial. You know, you get the impression that's like crinkling with smoke coming off it, or like it's something you you can simultaneously imagine it just lying in your bed as the sun fades while or listening to it in like a dense dark CD nightclub yeah um, as, we, as we will tomorrow when yeah. we're seeing him at Fabric yeah um, which I'll be intrigued to see how what he plays yeah. there's not that many tracks off this album if any maybe one or two that could be slotted into like a techno scene. yeah well, even like some tracks uh, like Dial 274 I think is where it's kind of there's a beat going all the way through yeah. it's a six minute track and then it's not until like four minutes in that he drops the real beat the real break beat in, and it's just so sumptuous the way he's mashed uh analog and digital sounds you can't really tell what's what but the production on it is fantastic like it's so tactile and uh just juicy yeah <laughs> and um uh yeah and i think it's cool that he is kind of this underground kind of guy who just puts out music and i wonder how this this new attention is going to affect him uh i feel like his appearance at fabric tomorrow he might now be the most people the people thing people are most excited about tomorrow at fabric ahead of mode selector and black vatican shadow probably because 
the people who are really interested in it will be really keen to see him. Yeah. Um, but I do think there'll be loads of other people still keen to Vatican Shadow and Moj Slater. But I think the people who actually like uh, the, that cliche and anti finger on the pulse. Yeah. Like they'll be really keen to see him because, and he's also playing Far Festival in a few weeks, so I'm really excited to see yeah. him there as well in the festival uh, context. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just it's I it's like it's, as you say, it's quite tough to go because there's not really that many melodies. It's just like no. loops, yeah. but the, the loop, loops are so fe- efficient and atmospheric. It's like, I just, it's easily one of the my favorite electronic albums of the year. So yeah, far. I've low key become obsessed with this album, but it's not like I can pick out individual moments or tracks because it really is such an experience. Mm. You're in it. Is you can't really say oh the drop. There's no drops. You can't say the synth on this bit because there's so many layers of synths. Uh, as you say, it does it does create kind of pictures urban kind of in that way. It's similar to Burial has mm. kind of similar hints yeah, yeah. to Burial in in parts um, a Munich Burial if if you will. <laughs> I guess. But yeah, as I said, Apex and Balls of Canada also springs mm. to mind. But I think he is he is very singular. Yeah. So ski mask. That's S K E E M A S K. Two words. Yep. Check uh, it out. Compro. And the last, before we get into our top three, we have Ice Age with Beyondless. Yeah, fourth album from Danish punks Ice Age, and they continue to evolve and continue to be one of my absolute favorite bands in the world. So when they came out with uh, uh, no New Brigade in 2011, they were it was, what, a 20-minute burst of two-minute, rough, uh, pointy, genuinely straight-ahead punk songs that was kind of developed a bit more with you or nothing a bit more post-punk probably reaching maybe 30 minutes on that album mm. and then it was with uh, the third album plowing into the field of love that they really started to show that they were much more than punk move more into like almost country in parts yeah. uh when i'm thinking about the gods the lord's favorite um and a lot more kind of grandiose and that's become even more so on the new album Beyondless where the string arrangements and use of saxophone has become such a key part of their sound. Mm. There's still some quite ahead uh, punk songs like the opening Hurrah and uh, Plead the Fifth and The Day the Music Dies. But then there's so many other gears that they found. The Sky Ferreira track uh, Painkiller is one of the punchiest and easily most catchy songs they've ever done. And the the... The, the duet with Sky Ferreira works really well and the, the horns in that song are just so pretty yeah, good. Uh, and then a song like Catch It is very psych, uh, desert rock kind of thing. Take It All is, I think, it sounds like them trying to do The National. I think that's the most dejected and mm. sad song they've ever done. And then uh, Showtime it almost goes into Baroque jazz a little bit and it finishes with Beyondless which is practically shoegaze yeah. I think and I just That's my f- it's my favourite song of yeah, time. I love Beyondless it's so good and uh, they obviously believe a lot in their sound They, I saw them at Scala just a couple of days after this album came out and uh, they've 
gone up to six people in the band now they need a violin and sax on stage with them because it's so important to their sound and they sounded great i think and i just love i think the production on this album is fantastic i love this album a lot what do you think about it i'll shut up i i i love it too it's just narrowly missed out because our top it's basically a top five more than yeah. a top three with uh, including ski mask in that as well and it's just it's just like they are so consistently inventive without yeah. without they've they're they're, they're, they're 2011 record mm-hmm. they still adhere to that same like that same base camp that same idea they've just revolutionized it all the time so that it's it, at one point it sounds completely different it sounds radically contrasting to that but as they say because it's far more melodious they're using different instrumentation now the 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 the, the lyrical content has changed it's become a, le- a lot less abrasive and a lot more thoughtful and melancholic yeah. but it's still the same band because just the, the strength of the songwriting is just impeccable and there's like there's so much energy to them there's so much like very like abstract beauty to it because there are periods where like the distorted guitars collide with the saxophone and it's just this symphonic gorgeousness that just like filters through i think yeah it's really really it's a, it's a class album and yeah. it's just it's just annoying that we have, we've imposed this three album limit on ourselves yeah. but I didn't even all, in all the things I was listing about that I love this album I didn't mention the lyrics at all mm. by Elias Ronenfeld who's considering English isn't even his first language probably he is inc- incredible and his, his grasp of English has improved a lot and he's using words that I didn't know were English like arrogate mm. uh which is in uh, Painkiller, um, and even though he's melodramatic, he like he he writes stories with it. Like Showtime is about uh, a bright young singer who's the star of the show, who everyone's talking about, and then by the end he's blown his brains out on stage. Um, Under the Sun is kind of like a guy who's so wretched and he goes that if he's basically searching for anything under the sun that brings him closer to God. Uh, take it all like I said as a national it's quite a wretched song it's like it's very it's almost the, the closest they've ever come to a love mm, song maybe yeah. um, I mean there's so many more to discover even on Hurrah which is can't stop killing won't stop killing never stop killing Hurrah it just works so well with Ice Age's like buzzing and frenetic guitars uh, so yeah Ice Age fucking love them yeah a great, ba- a great album into our top three uh, with John Hopkins Immunity uh, which, Singularity Singularity which is my favourite album of 2018 yeah um, I interviewed him on Wednesday Tuesday I interviewed him on Tuesday uh, and I just fanboyed so hard yeah. As he was so eloquent and insightful and funny and he has the most soothing voice you ever hear. You need to listen to his um, song Exploder where he discusses luminous beings. He is the most, just like, go, like you just want him to like, do read an audio book of just, or just, of just floating you off to sleep, which is 
quite fittingly because so much of single well singularity is the idea of mapping a psychedelic experience and the way that immunity was mapping a rave experience this more is more about psychedelics rather than you know like uh, uppers um and which is why it's structured in the way it is which is why it starts off very frenetic very chaotic before it has its its um peak and everything connected and the, the thing I make, and I, I didn't read a review because I thought I couldn't really write an objective review on this, more of an essay about it. Um, but the, the the drop and everything connected isn't just the drop on the song, it's the drop on the album. Uh, on, or the drop you feel like it's been building to your whole life. It's so satisfying and rewarding and intense. And when, when I saw um, I saw him live at Prima and it was just like, it blew me away. I I'd had all these expectations and it circumvented them. And it, it was just, inc- it was like, the most like truly cathartic experience I've had in live music, and to the extent why I didn't feel it was appropriate for me to like have him in as one of my favourites at Prima because it felt like such a a very personal experience for me, and I just feel like there's there's so much rewarding here, and I've like, I've tried to tell everyone before they listen to the album, don't listen to it at work, don't listen to it on the tube. Go home, lie in your bed, do nothing, and listen to it, and just like, just reflect yourself onto it, and it's just so rewarding and emotionally fulfilling. I just, I, I, I yeah, it's my favorite album of the year. <laughs> did you tell him that you enjoyed his show? Yeah, I did. Yeah, and I told him it was my. At the end of it, after I did like the, the highly professional Q and A, and then I was like, yeah, you made my album of the year. Uh, <laughs> Primavera the best time of my life <laughs> uh, I might say the things that annoy you now because I'm not as into it as you no, I, I do really like it especially the f- opening trio of songs I think is really spectacular some of the most jagged and inventive kind of electronic sounds out there the way that he collides different synth sounds together is just so unbelievably thrilling um, uh, like Singularity the song is such a brilliant opener i feel like that should have been the the centerpiece of the album but Mm. uh and then neon pattern drum is so uh creative in its way that it kind of builds and fades the first couple of times i heard it it sounds like when you're um when your speakers when your earphones are starting to like fuck up a little bit and and go like if that sounds like the song is cutting out in and out and the first couple of times i heard it i wasn't entirely sure if it was the song or if it was my headphones but uh now that i know that it's the song and i can appreciate that as a as a really interesting uh sonic technique i think it's fucking cool uh everything connected the 10 minute centerpiece i do like it um that build up the final build up towards the drop where the guitar comes in it does feel like a bit of a Coldplay build-up. I know that he's worked with them, so maybe that's why that 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 comparison becomes so readily to me. But I do like it. And then Luminous Beings, I think, is fantastic as well. It's such a beautiful yeah. kind of mellow house track. I just think COSM or Cosm and Echo Dissolve are just like two kind of interlude tracks in a row that just don't do anything for me. But I don't know. What, what was your defense of those songs? And that they're, they're the reprieve, and that like after you have the the the, the psychedelic up after the chaos, there is just like the like the silence, like the the emotional 
just fade. When then there's like I was always chatting to him about it, the echo dissolve has this like the sounds of the, like, the urban landscape in the background like very muted in the background. I asked him whether that was that was a accidental field recording he wanted to keep in the, the album because I felt right and I just felt yeah because like you know if you come out the the rave at six in the morning. And they've got like, the faded car sounds in the background, the faded sirens in the background. There is that sense of very unnatural, very artificial calm that like, you just feel at ease in that moment, and it's quite difficult to decipher why. And I think that just like it, it epitomised what it was going for. Like, like that uh, by that stage, that happens. It's at least it's about ten minutes after everything connected stopped pulverising you. So it's almost like you're at your most peaceful at that point and then that comes in and it just seems so tangible and so immediate and I think it is like it's not there are songs you can listen to in isolation as as on as Prima show he played the first four and completely sequenced in order and then he ended in Luminous Beings and his uh, Disclosure Magnets remix um, which was fucking pounding um and, and it was, after uh, having just seen Lords play Magnets as well, which is weird. You saw yeah. that twice in one night. In a yeah, I did not expect to see that at the start of the night. Um, but yeah, I, I I just think as a journey, as an experience, all the other wanky stuff you use to describe electronic albums or just albums in general, I think this is truly exceptional. All right. I feel like I can't say anything else. <laughs> so, Singularity by John Hopkins. Check it out. Second, we have uh, our boys, Pocket Courts, and Wide Awake. I'm Wide Awake. Uh, I fucking love Pocket Courts, and I think Wide Awake is such an interesting development of the sound because they're still using, similar in a way to Ice Age, how they've developed. Uh, Parquet started in post-punk, slacker kind of, and they've always been very lyrically and vocally sharp. Uh, and the way they've kind of built those strengths up, they've still they're still rooted in the same those same strengths, but they have kind of diversified them and put in little twists on them. Uh, Wide Awake is the first album where they've worked with an outside producer, your boy Brian, <laughs> aka Danger Mouse. To, Danger know, Mouse. Brian to the, to those of us who know him. <laughs> uh, which is an unlikely pairing, uh, yeah. You think, um, but I think it's reaped really great rewards on this album. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's so. I don't. I don't know. It's. I. I think it's a myth that Parquet Courts are like lethargic, or like they're they're like stone or rock because yeah. they all they're always very high, like hyper. And they're very energetic. They do they do fit into that like a lot of the pavement molds but i reckon there's, there's a lot more thrust to them and even in here there is they've like they've kicked it into sixth gear um there's so much like variety a total football is one of my favorite opening tracks of the year that just really instantly yeah. it sets the mood and 
gets you hyped because you don't know what's going to come next because it is so like varied and so like um i guess like digressive it jumps from one like the core changes are so splenetic and um and yeah it's just it's just a like a they it lyrically it touches on a lot. It's very like politically aggressive, but it's 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 thankfully not. It doesn't like dilute the actual the the energy album, or it doesn't like overrule it with being. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, didactic or saccharine. It's just it's just it, like undercharges the the chords and the, the riffs really effectively. And, yeah, I think it's just it's just an exceptional album. It's just like so, and it's, it's like it's. You know, you can tell a great rock album when every song is distinctive and has its own positive parts, but it it completely works as a cohesive whole. Yeah, exactly. That's something that uh, Parquet have definitely developed as well. Because if you go back to Light Up Gold, the first kind of breakthrough album, the first proper album, uh, which I really love, but the songs on that kind of all are of a of a piece and kind of blend together in a way. Whereas every, as you say, every song on Wide Awake. Uh, similar to their previous album human performance they all unique and 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 have their own little worlds um obviously this is the first parquet since uh the election mm-hmm. and uh, they are not very happy about the state of things i remember when we saw them at, at end of the road last september i think they finished uh andrew savage shouted don't don't let fascism sneak into your daily life or something like that and i was like yeah they're pretty pissed they probably were in the middle of writing this album at the time um so the first three tracks on wide awake are the most politically kind of incensed um and i think andrew savage his lyrics on this album have kind of cemented him as one of if if not my favorite current working lyricist mm. my favorite one some i picked pulled out the lyric sheet from the um from the records just to pick out some i love in violence his name is andrew savage so his the verse is savage is my name because savage is how i feel when the radio wakes me up with the words suspected gunman my name is a warning for the acts you are about to witness which contain images that some viewers may find disturbing um which is really cool and the way that parquet kind of uh are playing this very taut and almost bluesy uh post-punk with a lot of i think brian aka danger mouse has added a lot of swagger to their sound um there's a lot of kind of groovy drums um uh the song back to earth is kind of an outlier but it's really cool atmospheric kind of uh space rock so not space rock in the spiritualized kind of sense but other ways and then there's anthems like freebird 2 when they released almost had to start a fight in and out of patience which is another fantastic song which is kind of about um loot basically losing patience with earth and feeling like you're in the chaos dimension and having an unshakable nightmare and then it finishes with uh with andrew savage going this song is called Freebird 2 and when they released that song as a single i thought that was just a joke at the end of the song but on the album the next song is called Freebird 2 and it's one of the best songs they've done it's such a fun kind of that's one of the more light-hearted songs on the album which finishes with a resounding chorus of free i feel free like i wanted like you promised i'd be um which is really fun. Normalization. Do I pass the Turing? Lately, I've been wondering. Do I pass the Turing test? I love that little couplet. What is it? Wait, do I pass the Turing test? Can I think? Um, 
Extinction. Death will bring change towards the end. They have the song Death Will Bring Change that has kind of kids chorus in it singing singing Death Will Bring Change. And then it finishes with Tenderness, which is um some of the which is him being extremely jaded again, but then it has this kind of sweet ending of all you need is a little tenderness. So even though they are very angry and pointed they're also still really fun and loving, and and I just fucking love pocket courts. Yeah, they are. They are. I, I, I do. I do. I think you've uh, summed up well there. move on to our final one our number one for me and top three for me for the year yeah. uh beach house and seven what's your history with beach house because i have a long history with them um i think we've discussed this and i think well i think if i remember correctly we're quite similar and that i loved uh i was like indifferent to them until is it bloom that 2012 uh the one with uh myth and lazuli on it uh, uh, I think that is Bloom um, and I really really liked that one and then I was so indifferent to Depression Cherry mm-hmm. and I just assumed they were going to settle into this like uh, this like eternal purgatory of making fine albums like making f- solid albums I'll listen to once and forget about again just like l- lovely lovely inconsequential music and then Seven comes along and it's genuinely brilliant like it's it's like close enough. It, it sounds like Kevin Shields actually produced it. Like yeah. it's it's like they've always like flirted with shoegaze, but this is like they've kicked it up. They've the ante, especially like the, when they get. I reckon like the, when the guitar kicks in on dive, one of my favorite music moments of the year. Um, and then yeah, that was so good. Like wait, my history with Beach House. Yes. Facebook actually just reminded me the other day that it's been ten years. 10 years since I went to Yulu in 2008 to see Fleet Foxes. Uh, I was very excited to see Fleet Foxes, first time seeing them, supported by a band called Beach House, who I think I checked out, I think they had their first album out at the time, maybe the second one as well. I checked it out a little bit and thought it was okay, and then seeing them live was just one of the most boring experiences I've ever had in my <laughs> life. Uh, obviously, this was way back when it was just... Um, Victoria and Alex on stage playing keyboards they didn't have any production or anything and um, and I just wasn't into that kind of music at all especially it's kind of an odd pairing with Fleet Foxes they were on the same label at the time so I suppose that's why but um, anyway so since then I've always had a kind of tainted view of Beach House and I've never really uh, invested myself in any of their albums over the years there's been a couple of songs that have stood out like Take Care uh, 10 Mile Stereo, and then it was in 2000, whatever that year was when they brought out Depression Cherry, and then later in 2015. The year, they brought out Lucky, Thank You, Lucky Stars later that year, and mm. they had Elegy to the Void on it, and that song just really, really mm. just blew me away, and I was like, That's, this is an incredible song. So I started to like them a bit more, um, but my friend who was with me at that uh, 
the Fleet Foxes gig, I told him to check out Seven. I was like, the new Beach House is actually really good. And he was like, Beach House can go fuck themselves. <laughs> so that's how bad we hated them at the time. So that's, it's kind of weird for me to now be claiming Beach House as our number one album of May and a very strong May. But Seven, named for being their seventh album, really is, as you say, a big shoegazy but not loud in the way that My Bloody Valentine or most shoegaze is. It's like pillowy shoegaze, yeah. beautiful shoegaze. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Almost inside-out shoegaze in a way. Um, it's just a pure dream. The production is um, like infinite. The, the the vistas, the synth vistas they've created are incredible. Victoria Legrand's voice has never sounded better. And lyrically, I think she's she's not like complex in her lyrics, but the way she sets the mood and matches the tone of the songs so well, it just gets you really invested in them. Yeah. Um, like Elegy to the Void, which I was mentioning from the previous album, is what it says. It's an Elegy to the Void. It's, the lyrics on it aren't that complicated, but it's more about the mood that really brings that to life. And similarly on this one, uh, Lemon Glow, which uh, you unfortunately missed them at Prima. I did. Because of the f- unbelievable clashes. But when they played Lemon Glow, it was just... It's just, it literally feels like being shrunk, like being like a fly stuck inside some lemon curd that, and seeing like light reflect, refracting through it and being, it's just so beautiful and slow and sludgy and and sludgy maybe is not the right word, but it's like, it it really engulfs you and and make it wraps you up. Um, And then a song like Drunk in LA is a really, yeah, that's a good, another beautiful song. And, uh, oh. Woo is gorgeous. Yeah, Woo. and as you say, that moment on Dive, like, I think that was the lead single from this album, the first one that I checked out. And, and yeah, the first half I was like, oh, this is classic Beach House, really boring, putting me to sleep. And then, as you say, when that guitar comes in, it just, it's almost like a, a drop, a, a rock shoegaze sleepy drop in a way but yeah. it works so well and the tension, the tension of the guitar against the, the placidness of, of, what's come before just works so beautifully um this is another one kind of like ski mask although they sound nothing alike it's another where it's it's more about listening to it and appreciating the very finely hued elements and the production and the layers of synths than really picking out individual moments or lyrics or anything yeah. like that but yeah and there are songs you can pick out off the album but i think it is a whole a complete piece that you should listen to and and also i would like to report that beach house's live show has come a long way in 10 <laughs> years uh, seeing them at primavera they were incredible they played at like 1 a.m or 2 a.m on that central stage where charlotte Gainsbourg was playing and it was just so dreamy and the visuals are incredible and they they managed to reproduce the the sound is so hi-fi on record it's the the fidelity of it is so important to to how beautiful and it is and how how engrossing it is and they managed to do it live as well i think um like that moment in dive was a genuinely like if it wasn't so placid it would almost be like a moment when people start jumping up and down when the guitar comes in mm. the sing-along for first older songs like take care was obviously amazing um dark spring long con who was a lovely song it just it really is one to just sit back and and bathe in absolutely yeah i don't think i have anything to add for that yeah seven by beach house
And that's just finished up. Yeah, um, we wanted to give a, give a quick mention to a couple of albums that couldn't make our 10. Yeah. I wanted Illuminati Hotties debut album, Kiss Your Frenemies. It's really fun. Uh, indie pop from LA. Uh, yeah. Very sardonic and funny and loving lyrics. And uh, it's a shame we couldn't put that in our 10. Yeah. Worth but, checking out. Yeah, it was a big month. Uh, and I just wanted to show churches for making us pretty disappointing homogenous album where they've tried to go fully mainstream uh for the hooks like it's it, it does sound like uh what's his name produced it guy john hopkins <laughs> oh god right no right i'm done no that's uh my name i'm uh kieran i'm at uh, no not uh, at no not that devlin on twitter and uh displaced scotsman on instagram oh uh, yeah rob hack on instagram Temporaryism on Twitter. Go to the four hundred five. Read our shit. Have you got anything good coming up on the four hundred five? Oh, you're going to review uh, Sophie. I'm going to review Sophie. Which we'll hopefully, be talking about next, we'll yeah. Be talking about next hopefully time. that'll be up. Uh, by the, it will be up by the time you read this. So check check it out. Uh, and, and it's out now. I would definitely so listen to it because it is very good. Can do you have the the album title off by heart yet? Oh, no. <laughs> is the oil. oil of pearls on inside uh, or something? Yeah. But anyway, we'll talk okay. about that next month. We'll hope by then we'll hopefully know the title. Yeah. Enjoy yourselves. See you later. Bye.